0: God as it is summarized and confessed by the church in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 23. You can find that uh, confession in the Book of Praise on page 537. Under the title, Our Justification, that's a big word, means to be declared righteous, how we are declared righteous, innocent, just, uh, before the Lord. The question is, what does it help you now that you believe all this? And if you look back, you see the all this is a reference uh, to all that we confess to be true in the Apostles' uh, Creed, as that's explained from Lord's Day uh, 7 all the way to, to 22. So what does it help you now that you believe the articles of the Christian faith? The answer is, in Christ, I am righteous before God and heir to life everlasting. How are you righteous before God? Only by true faith in Jesus Christ. Although my conscience accuses me that I have grievously sinned against all God's commandments, have never kept any of them, and am still inclined to all evil, yet God, without any merit of my own, out of mere grace, imputes to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ." He grants these to me as if I had never had nor committed any sin and as if I myself had accomplished all the obedience which Christ has rendered for me, if only I accept this gift with a believing heart. Why do you say that you are righteous only by faith? Not that I am acceptable to God on account of the worthiness of my faith, for only the satisfaction. Righteousness and holiness of Christ is my righteousness before God. I can receive this righteousness and make it my own by faith only. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, can you think of your most embarrassing moment in your life. You remember what it was like. It was probably when someone found out something about you that you are shy about or don't even like about yourself. Or perhaps you or maybe someone uh, you were with or someone you are associated with did or said something inappropriate that you are ashamed of, and you are uncomfortable that other people know about it. We don't like to be embarrassed. People will go to to great lengths to keep their faults and their weaknesses hidden from others. We like to put up a good front. We do not enjoy it even when God exposes our sin when God speaks to us and he confronts us in the Ten Commandments. He shows us what we've done wrong against him and against our neighbor. In fact, many people deny that they are sinners. Certainly not sinners deserving judgment, they say. And as a result of that, they also have a lot of difficulty trying to figure out why anyone would bother to be a Christian? What would drive a person to thank God for the privilege of making sacrifices as a living member of his church? They ask, really, they ask the question that we confess. You found it in the Lord's Day in the Catechism. It's an old question. They ask the question, What does it help you now that you believe? All this. In the next two weeks, in the afternoon services, this week and next week, we will look at what we confess in the twin Lord's days, 23 and 24, what, what the correct answer is to this question. And looking at Genesis 3 and Zechariah 3 and Luke 18, two weeks in a row, we will first see what God did for those who believe in him. And the next week we'll see why. He did it for them. And then together we'll understand what it helps us now that we believe all these things. And all these three Bible passages that we read, they reveal to us that it is a good thing to be a Christian because whoever trusts in God and whoever believes in Jesus Christ never needs to be embarrassed before God on Judgment Day because of his or her sins. When Christ appears, we read in 1 John 2, verse 28, we may have confidence and not shrink back from him in shame of his coming. That is because whoever believes in Jesus Christ is righteous before God. Whoever believes in Jesus Christ is righteous before God. And we'll see this looking at those three passages uh, briefly, Genesis 3, God gave garments to the naked Adam and Eve. And then Zechariah 3, God gave clean clothes to the impure Joshua. And then Luke 18, God justified the sinful, humble tax collector. So starting then in Genesis uh, 3, you know the context. You know that before the fall into sin... We can read that in Genesis 2 verse 25 before they took from the fruit, Adam and Eve were both naked, it says in 2 verse 25, and were not ashamed. After they had disobeyed God and eaten from the fruit that he had commanded them not to eat of, the first thing they noticed, we read that together in Genesis 3 verse 7, the first thing they noticed was that they were, their nakedness. The loincloths that they had made out of the fig trees did not help them to feel less naked before God. The Lord explains that the awareness of their nakedness and the fear that was a result of eating from the tree of which he had commanded them not to eat. God explains that in verse 11. You see, before they had disobeyed God, before they ate from the tree, there was no need for shame or fear. They loved God perfectly, and they loved their neighbor perfectly, and nothing they desired was morally wrong or displeasing to God. However, when the the devil instigated them to sin, when the serpent spoke to them and, and made them think that there might be something good outside of God, and Adam and Eve then chose to disobey God by eating from the tree, they made the eternal creator... And the judge of the universe, their enemy. And all of a sudden, they realized how weak and how vulnerable they were. Hebrews 4 verse 13 captures it clearly. Hebrews 4 verse 13, when it speaks about the power of the Spirit of God. And then it adds in, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom We must give account. When they disobeyed God's command, it was like they they stepped outside of of the cover of God's grace. And they tried to to face him, to look him in the eyes based on their own merits. And no wonder their, their fig leaf underwear, their fig leaf clothes did not help them to feel less afraid. And Adam and Eve immediately recognized their nakedness, even with those fig leaves wrapped around them. They had sinned against the Most High Majesty of God. It was hard to look into the eyes of God. It was embarrassing to have His holiness near them. They, they trembling fled away from Him. And not just because, not just because they were embarrassed... Not just because of their nakedness, it was a lot more serious than that. They had disobeyed his command. And now they knew it. They deserved death before the holy God. Not just physical death, someday, but also spiritual death. Also condemnation. The Lord says that in Genesis 2, verse 17. and the New Testament, we read about that in Romans 6, verse 23. And the first sign of their death, their spiritual death, was their recognition of their nakedness. And their fear of being seen by God, who incidentally was the only one who could bring them life. They were afraid of the only one who could bring them life. Romans 5 verse 12 tells us that this death came into the world through one man. Now this death spreads to all men. That includes all people. That includes us. That is why today so many people continue to be afraid to see God, to to see the holiness of God uh, revealed to them, to hear the Ten Commandments, to, to hear how God made everything perfectly. God's holiness continues to make us feel naked And if he left us in in that place without helping us, we know no one could stand before his judgment. But what did God do? What did God do? We read that the Lord replaced those leaves, those fig leaves, with garments made out of animal skins. And it says, and he clothed them. That was verse 21. These clothes... God give clearly didn't hide their true selves, their hearts, from God, who still knew them inside and out, but it showed to them that God cared about them, and he cared about them even in their pride. In his grace, we see God reaching down from the glory of heaven, giving proud rebels temporary relief from their nakedness. And the possibility of feeling human dignity after that horrible sin they had just committed. And so they could feel some sense of dignity in the presence of God rather than just despair and humiliation in the eyes of everyone around them. And we see how gracious God is to to give the, the clothing to Adam and Eve right in that time of their great rebellion. And from then on... God made it clear that in a fallen world, he reserves that vulnerability of nakedness for the safe, non-judgmental relationship of marriage. And he urges us to remember the work of Christ when we dress ourselves with dignity, when we receive that dignity that God gave to us as a gift, also through the clothes. God had not come to laugh at their nakedness. That's what Ham did with his father Noah. He did not come to delight in their shame, to point fingers and to to expose their nakedness even more and, and their shame even more. But he came because he had a plan to save sinners, to send his son. And his son would come and he would take that shame of nakedness upon himself when he was hanging on the cross, when he came to die for the ungodly while we were still sinners and enemies of God. We read that this morning in Romans 5, verses 6 to 10. I started on Romans 6, but it should have been Romans 5, which is what we finished. He came to die for the ungodly. And then clothe his children with the righteous deeds of Jesus Christ. God didn't just say to Adam and Eve, Well, you you messed up. I'll give you another chance to to prove yourselves. He didn't say, Well, those fig leaves aren't going to cut it. I want you to try again. See if you can make something better. But we read that God clothed them. All they had to do was... Accept this gift with a believing heart, trust in him for everything. They, just like a child, you sometimes when you dress a child, they, they know they've got to put their arm through and their, their other arm through as they're, they're being dressed. When we believe in Jesus Christ, it is like putting on our arms as God fastens the righteousness of Christ onto our shoulders like new and pure garments that cover our shame and our nakedness and our fear and allow us to stand in the presence of God Almighty. He's the one who clothes us. He knows what we're supposed to look like before him. And since Jesus was not ashamed to call me, to call us his brothers, I have no reason to ever ashamed before the Holy God. The gospel message I proclaim to you is what we read in Romans 8 verse 1 there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. when we have crossed over from death to life in Jesus Christ then we can know that that even if we get the clothes we have received from him dirty or filthy he will continue to to show us his grace. So we look at this righteousness we have in Christ from another angle, from the Zechariah 3 angle now. God gave clean clothes to replace the dirty clothes of Joshua. Joshua being a high priest. Zechariah was the prophet. So now we compare the two. We move from Genesis where we read that Adam and Eve disobeyed the one command that they had when they ate the fruit from the tree that God commanded them not to eat from. That sin of covetousness, that sin of idolatry was further defined by the Lord after he had delivered them from slavery in Egypt and he spoke to them from Mount Sinai when he gave the law his Ten Commandments. He wanted his people to remain in his grace and favor in their redeemed life. So he showed them in how many ways their choices could actually bring them further away from him and further away from true happiness. That's what the law was given to do. As time passed, God's people in the desert and many different kings, they showed that they, and we confess these three things, they could not keep the commandments of God. Zechariah was a prophet of the, after the Lord punished his people with the exile. And he, God punished them because they had sinned against God's commandments. And it was no surprise for the people to hear that they were still inclined to all evil. And that vision of Zechariah 3, it lays it out very clearly for us. What was it that made Joshua tremble? We just read the passage together. What, why, why was Joshua trembling? Well, it was the same thing that made Isaiah tremble. We heard a sermon on Isaiah 6 some time ago. What made Isaiah tremble when he saw the, the vision of the throne room of God? It was uncleanness, wasn't it? Uncleanness, iniquity, guilt. It created a barrier between God and man and it made the sinner guilty made the sinner worthy of punishment before the Holy God the iniquity was still there Joshua learned after the punishment of the exile Joshua was in danger even though he was a high priest he was clothed with the garments that God had given to the priest to wear so that they would not bear guilt and die. You can read that in Exodus 28, verses 40 to 43. We're just skimming the top here to get the big picture. And then we read that Satan was accusing Joshua. We do not know what the accusations were exactly, but it seems that Satan was just pointing to the truth that everybody knew. He's look, look at this. Are, are you seeing this, God? Do you see what this this guy looks like? The Holy Spirit explains that in verse three, Zechariah three verse three, that the special priestly robes that covered Joshua's nakedness they were filthy. You could see the devil, Satan, accusing him. He's got filthy robes. And if you think about it more, you look at verse two. And there God told Satan that he knew that Joshua was like a burning stick in the flames. Maybe Joshua said he smells like smoke. It's like he's been in the fire. And then the angel explains that Joshua's iniquity, that sin, or guilt, that, that was the problem. That's in chapter 3, verse 4. Imagine if you were there. If you were there where Joshua was standing, Satan... Accusing you while well, we confess that if we had been there in Joshua's place, our conscience would have joined in with, the, with Satan to accuse us of our iniquities. Even the holiest on earth, a high priest, Isaiah, one of us, here today, we have to confess that that the devil accusing us is correct because there is no denying the dirty laundry. Satan is simply repeating what God had already revealed and God re- reveals to us in Romans 3 verse 10 when God says that none is righteous, no, not one. John 3, also the Lord Jesus makes it very clear that everyone is under the wrath of God for their their sins but everyone who believes in Jesus Christ is who hears these accusations who knows those accusations they could also and we can also rebuke satan together with God because the sins and the accusations are true but they are only the first part of a story that ends with God's overwhelming grace. What a blessing it is. We love reading the rest of the chapter when we see how God removed those filthy garments from his servant and he said, in verse 4, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you and I will clothe you with pure vestments, with righteousness. With these clean clothes given to him by God Most High, Joshua, the mediator, could remain in the presence of God and represent his people in the throne room of God. You read about that in verse 7. So how was it possible for God just to, to do that, to, to make the switch, to say, yeah, those are dirty, Satan is right, but here, have some clean clothes. How was how that possible? Zechariah chapter 3, look at it, verses 8 and 9. We read that it was not just an arbitrary act of a fickle God. But we read that God, in order to maintain his holiness, found a substitute. And then he promised to bring his servant, the branch. Now the branch was already known, he was already prophesied in Isaiah Many years before this, everybody knew the branch was the branch of the line of Jesse, the promised Messiah, who we call our Lord Jesus Christ. And he came, says God, to remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. And children, do you know what day that was when the branch removed the iniquity of all people, this land, in a single day? What day was that? Well, the New Testament shows us this prophecy was fulfilled on the cross. The day when Jesus Christ was hung on a cross, when he bore the wrath of God against the sin of the whole human race. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, He became sin for sinful man. He was punished by God, not for his own sin, but for the sins of all who believe in him. He was punished by God for other people's filthy garments the beautiful confession we have so Jesus announces it so clearly in John 3 verse 17 he says for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world he explains the world was already condemned he didn't send a son to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him the branch has come He has taken our iniquity upon himself so that we might receive the clean clothes of his righteousness. That's what we confess Lord's Day 23. In fact, in Lord's Day 23, and if you look at it, if you have it in in front of you, uh, you can see that we are anticipating Satan's accusations. In, In answer number 60... The church confesses that we have grievously sinned against God's commandments. It's speaking of our daily sins of commission, of committing sins. And then it says we have never kept any of God's commandments. There's daily sins of omission, that which we have omitted to do. And then we say, and am still inclined to all evil. That's talking about our original sin that we're all conceived and born in. We recognize all these things, but we also confess the grace of God. Two little words right in the middle of answer 60, yet God, taken straight out of Ephesians where we read maybe the most important words of the whole New Testament, but God. You can put that on your fridge, you can put it on your t-shirt, you can put it on the door when you leave every day, but God showed mercy. And then we see how thoroughly God heard our prayers as we cry to him for help, that Jesus Christ paid for all the sins we had committed. That's his, we read about that, the perfect satisfaction. And Jesus Christ also, he, he perfectly obeyed the law. He did what we omitted to do. That's his righteousness. And he was born without sin and innocent. He was holy. That's his holiness, and if you were at home and you had your, your confession in front of you, you could draw the lines from our sins to, to God's Christ's satisfaction, our failure to obey the law to Christ's righteousness, and our inclination to evil to Christ's holiness. And you see, he covered everything that we couldn't do but God. And That's why we compare Christ's righteousness, Christ's Obedience, Christ's work to perfectly pure vestments that Joshua received. And the gospel message is that we we, we embrace, that we confess, that we proclaim to, to everyone is that those clothes, that righteousness is available for everyone who desires to have them. Do you know, do you want to know how it helps you now that you believe all that the Holy Scriptures has revealed, God will give you Christ's righteousness as your own. When we believe in Christ Jesus, the Lord promises that he will remove the filthy garments of our own deeds, and he replaces them with the new and the pure vestments of Christ's deeds. And we confess, he grants these to believers as if they never had nor committed any sin, and as if they themselves had accomplished all the obedience which Christ has rendered for them. And then if our remaining weaknesses, they cause us to to dirty our new life, put stains on it, make it dirty again, the Lord tells us just to, to ask him, And he will make those robes clean again in the blood of Christ. He cleanses those robes. 1 John 1, verses 7 to 9. Revelation 7, verse 14. He cleanses the robes when we ask him for forgiveness. The Lord is a gracious high priest. That's why we sang together hymn 42. We can turn to him in our hour of need. And he reaches down to us. He makes us righteous in God's sight. Christ is our righteousness. And then we finally see this one more angle, quickly, from Luke 18. That parable we read together. Now the Lord Jesus, that branch has come. He taught the church what it looks like to accept this gift with a believing heart. He teaches us, he, the question, do you want to have those clean clothes? Do you want that righteousness? I'll tell you what it looks like to get it. And he tells a, a story about a pair not a story, a parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector praying in the temple. And he starts off in Luke 18, verse 9, to say that the, the Pharisee trusted in himself that he was righteous, perhaps Using the illustrations of this afternoon, you could say that he was very proud of the loincloth he had made for himself out of fig leaves. You could say he loved the priestly garments that he had on, even though they were all stained and dripping with mud. He thought the law of God confirmed his lifestyle, and he did not think that he needed mercy. And then in the history of redemption, you could say much less mercy from that Jesus of Nazareth. The Pharisee in Jesus' parable was like one of those people who only goes to church to do a favor to God, but doesn't think he really needs church, doesn't need Christ himself. If someone asks him what it helped him to be a Christian, what does it help you now that you believe all this, he would probably answer like so many people continue to answer that It helps me because it makes me feel good. It helps me to go to church because then I I can see my true value. I can be encouraged by seeing how much better I am than everybody else around me. You see, his conscience did not accuse him. The emperor with the new clothes, he he didn't have any sense of his his shame and his nakedness in front of, of all those around him. Jesus showed us that the Pharisee didn't see the filthy sins of pride, contempt. He didn't see those sins in himself because he did not experience the grace of God who mercifully convicts us of our sin. Every Sunday, he shows us, he reminds us who we are so that we can see God's grace. So now the question, what does it look like to accept Christ's work as our own. Jesus tells us that it looks like a tax collector coming before God. tax collector was a known sinner. Right from the beginning it is clear that the tax collector's conscience was accusing him, and rightly so, that he was guilty. He was guilty of greed. He was guilty of extortion. He was guilty of disregard for the law of God. And unlike the Pharisee, the tax collector knew what he deserved. And he knew that it was only by God's grace that he could even come into that temple, that he could talk to God in prayer. He didn't come walking in there thinking that God owed him anything. No, he didn't even lift up his eyes to heaven. The tax collector clearly to hate his sin because they offended God. Jesus tells us that he was, he was beating his breast. That's probably a sign of, of his sorrow. He knew that he was dead forever. He would sleep that sleep of death if he didn't repent and receive God's mercy. And he said those words that the Lord Jesus teaches us to say in order to share in Christ's righteousness God, be merciful. To me, a sinner. And then we get to those beautiful words. The words that we carry around with us as believers. I tell you, this man went to his own house. Down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. God justified the humble tax collector... Who recognized his sins, who threw himself on God's mercy. And the gospel message that God continues to bring to us today is that God will always respond like that to those who confess their sins before Him, who's, who seek a righteousness outside of themselves. He always will take off those those filthy garments that we say, Lord, take these filthy garments from us. And he always clothes us with the righteousness of Christ. We desire that. And then we no longer need to fear God's judgment, feel ashamed in his presence. How can we be embarrassed when we're wearing the clothes that God himself has put on us? The big difference between the Pharisee and the tax collector was what they thought they were being saved from. They had different ideas about what it helps us to believe in the triune God. Do you know what Jesus Christ saves us from? Many people teach and believe that it's good to go to church for the fellowship The idea there is that God saves us from loneliness. Or they teach you that it's good to go to church for the blessings that God gives to his people. Then it means God saves you from unemployment or from illness. But Jesus Christ teaches us that he saves us from the wrath and the condemnation of a holy God. You see, our biggest problem is that ever since the fall, we are unrighteous. We are inclined to hate our Creator. To make the the universal judge of the universe our, our enemy. So we cannot save ourselves. The tax collector was justified because he believed that God sent his only son into the world. Not to condemn the world, but to save it. And all he had to do was ask for mercy in Christ's name and he was justified. He, he just had to ask to desire that. Heaven is filled with forgiven sinners, with scuffed knees, who confessed their sins, who pleaded for God's mercy, who are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. The Lord's Day 23 asks a question that undergirds the whole mission Of the church. What are we offering as believers? What does the Bible offer? What is the gospel of salvation? What changes for you when you believe in Jesus Christ? Well, I tell you, we can't guarantee that you'll never be lonely. We can't guarantee that you'll never be unemployed. We can't guarantee that you will always be healthy, but we can promise the righteousness of Christ, the forgiveness of sins. Why should I share the gospel with someone it's worth? Is it worth the sacrifices, the need to be made to follow Christ? Is it worth it, really, to remove the the fig leaves that we made for ourselves, the the dirty garments, and to to throw ourselves on, on God's mercy, asking Him to clothe us with His righteousness? That is the question that comes to every person who hears the wonderful proclamation of the gospel, John 3, verse 16, whoever believes in Jesus Christ will not perish, but will have eternal life. When his righteousness, when Christ's righteousness is imputed to your account, then God will not judge you based on what you have done, but he judges you based on what Christ has done. And so... You never will be condemned. You never have to be embarrassed to meet your Savior because you are clean in Christ. And today then, brothers and sisters, as we do that, as we throw ourselves on the mercy of God in Christ Jesus, as we cry out to him to to clothe us with, with Christ's righteousness so we do not try to find a righteousness in ourselves and how we do things. As we, we do that, brothers and sisters, the gospel is that once again, you can hear the proclamation. You can go down to your home justified. Amen.